It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense. All in more or less plain English. Podcast number 778 for the 4th of February, 2022. This week, speech recognition is getting better, and even the systems that are built into Windows, the Mac OS, and Android do a remarkably good job. I've been wondering if there's a clear winner among the three, so let's take a look. In short circuits, people who make advertisements, entertainment programs, and other media that keep us from going berserk during the pandemic are also affected by the pandemic. What are their attitudes in 2022? Likert, launched in 2018 to compete with Facebook, was hacked and shut down in early 2021. It's finally back as tribal, but it has a long way to go to catch up with Facebook. And 20 years ago, in 2002, a one gigabyte compact flash card for professional photographers was exciting, even at $1,000. Now you can buy a secure digital card that's more than 100 times larger at one-tenth the price. There's no question that speech recognition has improved a lot since the 1980s. That's when Dragon Systems introduced Dragon Dictate for DOS. It's still not ready to be used indiscriminately without review, but it is becoming more reliable and much easier to use. In those early days, speech recognition required users to train the system with a complex exercise and then to leave spaces between words like this. James and Janet Baker started working on speech recognition in 1975. Dragon Systems was founded in 1982 and released Dragon Dictate. The application used a probabilistic method for pattern recognition. One serious problem back then was the hardware Dragon Dictate ran on. There simply wasn't enough processing power for the speech recognition to work well. That was the primary reason for requiring users to enunciate clearly and leave pauses between words. That requirement was relaxed quite a bit in 1997 with the introduction of Dragon Naturally Speaking. Users still had to train the system by reading known text, though. Today, even an entry-level smartphone has far more power than the beefiest 1982 desktop system, and speech recognition has arrived. There's no longer a need to train the system. Just start talking to it, and it starts transcribing your words. The systems do improve over time as they learn each person's speech patterns. I've been reading Neverwhere, a book by Neil Gaiman, based on the BBC miniseries of the same name that he wrote in 1996. Yes, it was a TV program first, and then a novel. It was an e-book that I was reading on an iPad. To keep track of the plot twists, of which there were many, I wrote some notes in Google Docs, sometimes typing and sometimes dictating. But I also use speech recognition frequently for short messages on an Android phone, and I've been tinkering with it on a tablet that runs Windows 11. 
It seemed to me that Android is the best of the three systems, that Microsoft has done a remarkable job with Windows 11, and that the iPad OS is lagging a bit. But more definitive testing was called for because voice recognition systems do all still get things wrong. Probabilistic analysis all but assures that the system will know if the speaker says, I believe I'll take my book and sit on the that the word potato will not be the next word, even if the speaker mumbles patio. But errors do occur, and all three systems made errors in my brief test. Although some speech recognition systems can intuitively insert punctuation, it's still better to say the punctuation marks. If the Android system realizes that the user is asking a question, it will place a question mark properly, most of the time. Sometimes it recognizes the end of a sentence and places a period. Users do still need to tell the system when to start a new line or a new paragraph, though. So I decided to give the three systems that I'm somewhat familiar with a test. Attempting to avoid variances between devices, I recorded the text and played it back to each device, one recording without stated punctuation and one with, both recordings made at normal speaking speed. Well, that was a disaster. Generally, the results of trying to capture audio by placing a microphone near a speaker are not good, and certainly it didn't work well in my test. So I spoke the text to each device, once with stated punctuation, once without, and aiming for consistency from Android to Apple to Windows. This is the text that I spoke. I've been wondering which speech recognition system does the best job comma, the one used by Android devices, comma, the one installed on iPad OS systems, comma, or the one Microsoft uses with Windows 11, period. New paragraph. So which system is better? Question mark. Maybe this little two-sentence test will provide some insight, period. New paragraph. The Marquis de Carabas is an important character in Puss in Boots, comma, the children's story, comma, but he is also a character in Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere, period. New paragraph. Their books are over there, and they're going to pick them up later. You may wonder about my pronunciation of Marquis. I've always pronounced it Marquis, but the Merriam-Webster Dictionary shows Marquis as the preferred pronunciation. Both pronunciations were used in the BBC miniseries. The book addressed the issue, too. He was never sure, not then and not later, how you pronounced Marquis de Carabas. Gaiman wrote about the Marquis. Some days he said it one way, and some days the other. I found the iPad's speech recognition system invariably wrote Marquis, the theater sign, M-A-R-Q-U-E-E, when I said Marquis, and it typed M-A-R-Q-U-I-S when I said Marquis. So now I'm trying to forget decades of saying the word one way and pronouncing it the other way. All three systems produced substandard text if I neglected to call out punctuation and specify new paragraphs, so each of the three examples you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website is based on the text being spoken carefully and with clear enunciation and with paragraph breaks explicitly called out. Take a look at the results and see what you think. Here's what I think. The iPad OS transcription missed capitalizing Android, 
and it used Apple's preferred representation of the operating system. It also didn't capitalize Marquis, and it spelled Carabas with two R's. Somehow it recognized Puss as a proper noun, but it didn't capitalize Boots in the book title. It also recognized Neil Gaiman as a name and capitalized the title of the book. Apple got all three instances of their correct, too. Oddly, the Windows speech recognition system capitalized Android, but not Windows. It represented Apple's operating system almost the way Apple prefers. It missed the period at the end of the last sentence of the first paragraph, but I think maybe that was my fault. I might not have said it. Windows capitalized Marquis, but made a mess of Carabas, turning it into Cara Bass. It also didn't recognize either Puss in Boots or Neverwhere as titles, and it incorrectly spelled Gaiman. Windows also got all three instances of their correct. The Android phone capitalized both Android and Windows, and was close on the iPad operating system. However, it changed Will Provide into Won't Provide. That could be a serious mistake. And Android made a total mess of the Marquis's name. Mark was to Carabas, changed Puss in Boots to Puss and Boots, not capitalizing Puss, but oddly capitalizing Boots. It spelled Neil Gaiman's name right, but didn't capitalize the last name or the name of the book. And as with the other two, Android got all three instances of their correct. Speech recognition can be used to create a good first draft, and the systems become better over time as they learn about your speech patterns and the words you use. It's faster than using the keyboard on your phone. There are mistakes you'll need to correct. I guess we could call them voiceos instead of typos. Then again, maybe not. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In Short Circuits, without television programs, podcasts, and other materials that entertain and inform us, the past two years would have been even more difficult. Adobe is in a good position to observe work by creatives and says that 2022 is starting with optimism and defiance. Certain companies are well-placed to observe specific trends. ADP's monthly employment reports provide insights into business activities because ADP is one of the two largest payroll processing and human resource management companies in the United States. Adobe is in a similar position with creatives, not because the company handles payroll or HR activities, but because it creates applications that are used to create newspapers, magazines, books, advertisements, radio programs and podcasts, motion pictures and television programs, and various audio programs. Adobe also operates a stock image service 
and Behance, where creatives can share their work. Writing on Adobe's blog, Brenda Mills, the principal of creative services and visual trends for Adobe Stock, recently described visual trends, design trends, and motion trends that are emerging at the beginning of the third year of the COVID era. We have entered a new normal period, and Mills says that instead of subdued messaging that was common in 2020 and 2021, key themes have evolved to stress comfort, connection, and self-care. She also notes a growing confidence and acceptance of changes with companies in nearly every sector embracing remote or hybrid work and the digital transformation that only accelerates with each passing season. Perhaps this is art imitating life, or maybe it's life imitating art, but it might be life imitating art imitating life. We live so much of our lives in our homes now with interactions online so people are hungry for optimism, fun, whimsy, and play. And Mills says that we are all even hungrier for authentic, meaningful connections, and we are determined to protect the well-being of ourselves and loved ones. An analysis of search requests in Adobe Stock reflects these desires. You'll see some images on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week that illustrate the trends. In visual trends, Mills notes an increasing power of playfulness that reflects comfort, energy, and joy. She cites commercial projects that engage consumers and encourage them to stay positive, find the small joys in life, and keep keeping on despite the state of flux that has remained through the pandemic. You might have noticed this in some television commercials that made you smile. There are still lots of messages that are easy to tune out, but there are also messages that are entertaining even after we've seen them a couple of times. Mills also says the pandemic has caused people to struggle with increased stress, depression, and burnout. Visual trends that bring attention to the importance of mental health stand out. Concerns about the environment and climate change are at an all-time high, Mills says. Unless you've been off the planet or sleeping for the past year or so, you've noticed that floods and fires are becoming commonplace, even in places where they're usually rare. Mills says the visual trend we've dubbed Prioritize Our Planet is more than just a continuation of the move toward greater sustainability. The new trend shows that there is a greater awareness and sophistication around environmental topics. This has pushed major brands to emphasize their alignment with values that are consistent with efforts to reverse climate change. Design trends center around what Mills calls soft pop and new naturalism. Soft pop is a trend defined by fun, pliable forms examining our relationship to objects in 3D cartooning, character narrative, and what she refers to as squishy appearances. New naturalism aesthetics are defined by their clean modernism and emphasis on organic. Another trend involves otherworldly visions. Maybe this is why television programs such as Doctor Who are so popular. Otherworldly Visions draws from a slightly cynical, yet imaginative and progressive alternative reality, according to Mills. The trend inherits high-tech elements from cyberpunk and sci-fi aesthetics, she says, yet takes them to an entirely new place with lush, surreal gradients, 3D surfaces, and textures. Trends in motion graphics are affected by what Mills calls a metaverse mix, 
It has nothing to do with the name of Facebook's new parent company. Still, the term metaverse is trending as creatives attempt to navigate and describe a digital world that exists beyond the partly digital and partly analog world in which we now live. Mills says there's an emphasis on movement to represent physical and emotional connections between people. Brands have increased the use of rhythm, dancing, and movement in their advertising to demonstrate connections between people. Mills says text, captions, or subtitles are an absolute must for social content in 2022. Why? Well, because most social video is viewed without sound, Text overlays have become an essential part of creating successful video campaigns for channels like Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Mills notes that accessibility for deaf people has become a higher mainstream priority. If you'd like to read the full report by Brenda Mills, visit the Adobe blog. There's a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. The former Liker social media site is back from the dead with new security and a new name. Founded in 2018, Liker went silent in March of 2021 after being hacked, according to the founders, by fans of former President Trump. A message on the site said it would return in a few days. That was later changed to four to eight weeks. Although the new Liker, now called Tribal, has been in beta testing for a while, it didn't actually return until the first week of January, approximately 35 weeks. The new platform attempts to be like Facebook, like Twitter, and like Reddit. To use it like Facebook, sign up, invite your friends from Facebook, add them as friends on Tribal, and you'll see their posts in your friends' feed. To use Tribal like Twitter, Filter the feed by topic categories, which are similar to Twitter hashtags. And if you want Tribal to work like Reddit, consider audience categories to be like Reddit subreddits, and choose an audience category for posts. Tribal is considerably different from Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit, though. So different, there's even a special page that describes how Tribal works. The company selected 15,000 Liker members to participate in a soft launch of the new service a few months ago. When Liker went down, there were about 465,000 members. That compares to Facebook's nearly 3 billion members. Then, around the first week of January, the service was opened to everyone. It's unclear how many former Liker users are now tribal subscribers. It's worth noting that Tribal was founded by Omar and Rafael Rivero, who also operate the left-leaning Occupy Democrats news site. The Media Bias Fact Check website rates Occupy Democrats as extreme left-leaning and says the content is not particularly factual. That puts it approximately in the same place as the Breitbart site on the right-leaning part of the spectrum. Terms of service are explicit in stating that users are responsible for everything they post, that what they post must be appropriate in tone and not intended to harm others, and that their posts comply with all applicable laws. Violating the terms can have serious consequences. Specifically, Tribal is enabled at its sole discretion to suspend, restrict, or terminate any account without notice of any kind. 
Users are solely responsible for the veracity and accuracy of all posts, and the terms of service say, and I quote, there will be no tolerance for abusive content nor abusive users. The developers also specify no tolerance for misinformation regarded to the COVID-19 pandemic, whether in posts or comments. Such content will be deleted, the terms say, and the poster will be banned temporarily or permanently. We'll have to wait to see how this plays out, but don't expect it to eliminate Facebook anytime soon. Let's take a look at how storage media for digital cameras played out starting in 2002. Point your browser to the TechBiter Worldwide website and scroll down to 20 years ago. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music>